Hey everybody, on this week of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to get into the aftermath of the NBA Finals. Um, the comments um, Kobe made towards LeBron, the Capitals winning their first um, their first Stanley Cup, and the um, involuntary OTs with football. We're looking forward going into the um, mini camps of all the NFL teams on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Guy Talking Sports, uh, where it's me, my man Big Ace, and Al, and we're here just shooting the shit and talking about some of the sports things of tonight, or excuse me, of today in the past week. So um, guys, how you feeling tonight? Well, uh, <laughs> we'll all speak at once. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I got my Dunkin' Donuts tea with me, so um, I'm I'm good to go. Let's let's get it going. <laughs> Dunkin', I haven't had Dunkin' Donuts tea, so uh, well, I'm a coffee person myself. So, but tonight is water. So we're gonna get right into it, fellas. Um, so definitely the um the NBA Finals is a wrap. Um, Golden State Warriors um defied my uh, wishes and wrapped it up in four a clean. Sweet, no gentleman sweet, just a regular, good old fashioned broomstick handle sweep right out of the finals. <laughs> um, Golden State Warriors are back to back champions, they're three time champions in the past four years. And arguably, if it wasn't for a bad, you know, foul and tossing of a player or two, um, they could have been four, you know, you know, four time champions in four years, which would have been not seen since the Boston Celtics of uh of the uh, up to 60s so um you notice a lot of stuff to parse into you know lebron james is he going to stay is he going to leave and the Golden State warriors how did they keep the band all together kevin durant definitely said he's already wants to stay um he definitely got some other people who's on deck for some paid paydays i think draymond green has opted out of a contract extension so he's gonna be looking for his payday come next year um i think even a bigger one if he a becomes the mvp repeats as the all-time defensive player of the year or as an all-defensive um, player first team. And he'll be eligible for a max contract if he hits one of those three. Um, so we got KD, we got Kevin Durant. Um, I guess Clay Thompson is going to be on deck for some money eventually. So, um, guys, what were your thoughts about these very quick NBA finals and, you know, everything swirling around, what's going to be the next steps up for both teams? Mr. I'm sorry, say that again? I, I, was, I, was, I was deferring to you. No, you deferred to me? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, a couple of things. Um, when, and Adrian, you, you, Ace, you hit it right on the head about the sweep. So I must commend you for that, um, for acknowledging that they was going to sweep them. Uh, I really said... Like I said before, I wasn't really too invested into it because the majority of the people knew the outcome. Um, it was a tough series for Cleveland to, to, to get to, to even get a win. Um, their best chance was game one, and after game one, it just felt as though that wasn't too much invested into the series after that. Um, kudos for Golden State for doing what they were supposed to do. Special kudos to the role players. Um, I see in a couple of games, JaVel McGee, um, who did a great job between him and Sean Livingston. And it's funny because Javel McGee was originally with the Cavaliers before they let him go, <laughs> and he ended up with the Warriors, and now he's a two-time NBA champion. So uh, that's kind of that's interesting, to say the least. Um, Nick Young being um, now NBA champion, celebrating like he's an NBA champion um, based off of the parade. So it, it's, it's good to see that. Um, Golden State is doing what they're supposed to do. But I will say this. Um, now that it's over, I'm actually looking forward to the offseason and the NBA draft. Um, me personally, because I think there's going to be such big moves happening that it's going to change the landscape of the NBA as of right now. Um, so wasn't too invested into the finals. Um, at this point, I don't think no one was because I think it was one of the 
the lowest rated um, NBA finals. And I could be wrong, um, but I think the ratings were not there where it was supposed to be. Uh, I really believe that LeBron James is set to leave. Um, and please, 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 let's, let's, let's get this out the way. Um, I do have a gripe with him showing up to the post game with the cast, soft cast on. Um, me personally, I thought he should have waited to after the, the actual interview, post-game interview um, with the cast because now it looks like it's all about him. Um, people are going to defend that the cast was the issue, and I don't think that that's fair um, to say that. Um, Golden State did what they were supposed to do, and they did a great job convincingly. There's no excuse for the lack of effort that the Cleveland Cavaliers played, especially in game four in the second half. So I don't want to hear no excuses at this point. What's done is done. So let's start the new season, right? I'm looking forward to the all season. Um, get this narrative out the way. Cleveland, I mean, about Cleveland and their excuses. Go to state as the champs. That's all I'm going to say about that. Well, that's me. Uh, once Cleveland lost that first game, I didn't watch another second of any uh, games, two, three, or four. Didn't make sense to watch it. You know, the outcome was very much written on the wall. Uh, uh, like you said, I was looking forward to the offseason. Um, I'm curious to see where LeBron is going to end up. Um, thought I read somewhere somebody mentioned to me that there is a slim possibility that LeBron will sit down and listen to Golden State. And I and I will put this out here right now. If LeBron signs a contract with Golden State, I am done watching the NBA. I will not watch a second of the NBA come next season. What's the point? What is what is the ultimate point? You got the top four players. Well, I'm gonna say Mons, I guess for his position. But you got the top three players in the league. At least the top three of the top ten players in the league on one team. We're starting at one time. What's the point? It's, it's unfair advantage. Um, I mean, the players in the league aren't going to sit there and say anything, but I, I would hope that the NBA would step in and be like, nah, can't do that. But whatever. Who cares? Um, happy that the season is over. Um, looking forward to the dog days of summer, baseball. Professional tennis league. See Tiger come in a Masters, or you know, possibly even win a win a uh, an event. You mean uh, U.S. Open? Whatever. Just win something. <laughs> He's coming close. He's coming close. Um, and definitely looking forward to uh, the, the football coming up, college and so. I'm just I'm I think I'm kind of basketball out unless it's a video game. So, congratulations, Golden State. Uh, you are. I guess considered a, 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 a pseudo dynasty or something. Um, Continuing success the next season, so I'm sure that uh, you guys will possibly win again. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say your 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 prediction ace was a uh, spot on. I must say, um, I thought that you know they was going to at least get at least one. I, I predicted six, but they got swept in four, and I agree. Once they once they not even lost game one, but I think once they they lost the ability to or the opportunity to win it in regulation in game one, the air went right out their sails and all started right at the top. I mean LeBron James moped and was pissed off for the first two minutes before he even attempted four of his weak shots. I mean, at that particular time, yes, J.R. Smith blew, you know, the play. No one ran down to call a timeout. Um, so, uh, as I've been saying, you know, to a lot of people, the only thing Gr Smith cost the Cavs was the opportunity to possibly end the game in regulation. You still had overtime. You still have five minutes. Rally the troops. You come up. You was actually playing pretty good and was really getting in them the entire game. They got extremely lucky down the stretch. So, if they was able to kind of just rally the troops, you know, hold it together. I think they would have came out with the same fire they came out in the you know you know all you know for us of the game. 
they could have possibly took that game home. That was the time where LeBron James, he scored 51, I know, but that was the time in, in, in overtime where if you don't cement that legacy and take game one, you know, at Oracle and change the complexity of this, you know, of that series, that was the time to do it. And he just didn't do it. He, he shot his load. Come on, man. <laughs> if they want to, if, 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 if people are going out there and saying that he is AKA better than the GOAT, that he is AKA better than Jordan or the best of all time, that five minutes in overtime, that was money time. That's where you get your 35 mil a year. That's where you, you prove to everybody that you can take this game away from Golden State in the first game and change the series. Now, they might have still would have lost, but you would have shook some fear in the Golden State, and they'd have been playing very, you know, tentative going into game two and four. They just needed a split in, in, um, at, at Oracle, just one game, and take it to Cleveland. But he, he, he pouted. He got mad. He got pissed off at JR, and he goes in in game one and then punches a whiteboard, self-inflicted. I have no sympathy for him because that's on you. And you decided and opted at the last game to put the little sleeve on and talk about, well, yeah, I hurt my hand. I possibly broke my hand. Yeah, but you still shot average 30-some-odd points for the rest of the series on a broken hand. So it didn't look like it affected you that much. I mean, I mean, we can say all the stuff about it, but, you know, you know, hats off to Golden State. They played mm-hmm. team basketball. They played in a system basketball where people like – JaVel McGee, <laughs> Jerryman, where people like you know, you know, Sean Sean Livingston can flourish in those in those games where you have the Cavs, which is just LeBron James in pieces that fit around him to complement his playing style instead of fitting pieces around him to complement a system that they can all play. And it's not dependent on LeBron James bringing the ball down, being a primary ball handler, you know. They got beat by a better team with a better with a better system, better coaching all around. And what more can you say? Go to state. They got the chip. They can talk all they want to, and they control LeBron James for the rest of the season, <laughs> off season if they want to, because they've earned the right. Well, I just hope that uh, I just hope that LeBron is smarter than. Uh, Taking the KD route because if you take the KD route, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> he has he has that female dog type of attitude at this point. That's what he will be to take. Did you say a, a, did you say a female dog attitude? Yes, he'd be a bitch. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's a bitch move. Luckily, this is not an FCC controlled podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we passed that. We we passed Wait, that. Then the Um, now I I, <laughs> it's funny. Um, I will say this with LeBron James in in general. Um, he should have just done. It showed me a lot. This finals had nothing to do with what he did as far as in the game, but as far as his leadership is concerned. You have to throw some of that into question. Without not rallying the troops, only they looked like everything was deflated when you sat down. I mean, when they when they sat at the bench, like ever since that overtime, um, that set for overtime, it was just a mess. And at the end of the day, it was just there should have been some leadership there. There should have been LeBron should have been at the point where he should have rallied his troops. Um, be more confident and say, all right, yo, you know, we didn't get it on this one. Let's get it in overtime. But he ain't show none of that. Like, he was completely deflated. And, of course, your emotions are going to take control. But at the end of the day, you have to rally your your troops and be like, yo, if you're going to be the leader of this team, you got to say, yo, look, we're down. Let's come out. Let's go after these guys. You know, let's be encouraging. He didn't show none of that if he did it at all. He didn't show none of that during, like, the timeout, doing – he didn't seem like he was encouraging the rest of his teammates. It just seems as though it's like, you know, what else can I do? You know, what else can I, you know, I'm doing all this and this. And it just seems though that he didn't install positivity to encourage his teammates to play better or do some more. So 
I think from that standpoint, just watching that, you could tell like the team wasn't all together. And if the team is not all together, it's going to be very difficult to win a game, let alone a, a series. Um, I think that 4.1 seconds from the time that they actually grabbed that rebound, ran the ball, pretty much ran the clock out. It was just an overall microcosm of the struggles that LeBron had with the Jazz the entire season. And that 4.1 and those five minutes or three minutes or however long they were sitting on the bench before the, uh, the start of overtime was just a true microcosm of just how everything kind of probably was behind the scenes that we didn't see probably just showed up like this. And I think at that point, LeBron might have just had that, you know what, I'm tired. I gave everything. I tried to do everything. I tried to be that dude. I tried to be that dude that also shared the ball, tried to get teammates the ball. I don't know what more I can do. And he had a player just have a straight-up bonehead move and pretty much took whatever ounce of, I don't even know, whatever LeBron had left that he gave everything that he could possibly give for the 48 minutes or 47 minutes and 56.9 seconds or 56 points, whatever. He put, a, he put it all out there to have the individual just kind of take the ball and act like he ain't know what the heck is going on. So I just think his frustration boiled over. And yes, you're right. He didn't show any leadership. And he probably just said, he probably just said screw it. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go out here and do what I need to do. If they show up, they show up. If they don't, they don't. I think it plays well in game three. Um, coming back at home, um, I think they fell short in the fourth quarter again. Or that's when KD had that monster game, when he shut everybody else out of KD at his game. And then I think Bob's just like, whatever. There's no way. If I can't win, if we can't play perfectly, and win the game because, like you said, you have to you have to play them perfect in order to win. If I flip, if the team itself played perfectly for ninety nine point eight percent of the game, and that point two percent is the reason why we lost, there's no way I could do this for four straight games because I don't have the support cast. I guess you know. After that, he did what he said. He just went out there in game four. It's like I'm going to play no different than the rest of you do. And that's why they played the way they did. And mind you, I didn't watch any of this. But I can only imagine that LeBron probably gave a whole home effort in the second half. He's really probably to the level of his teammates. <laughs> I watched, <laughs> I, I watched um, second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter of that game. And trust me when I believe, there was a point in the third quarter where Golden State um, shot up a three, and he bricked it and missed it. A whole bunch of Cavaliers around the ball with one Golden State Warrior. That guy got the rebound, kicked it back out. They shot another shot. A bunch of Cavaliers right around with LeBron James included. Three people around to get the rebound. One Golden State Warrior that got the ball, kicked it back out. Four possessions, four missed shots. Golden State got it all. And you can just see the Golden State, I mean, Cavaliers, starting with the top man, they just threw up their hands. And the game, mind you, was not out of um, out of reach. I think it was like a six-point game at that point. A still attainable game. I mean, you could chip away, but you saw in the third quarter, you could see the play on the game where they just midway in the third quarter, they realized, I guess they, they couldn't match or couldn't play. They just quit and gave up. You saw it right in their faces in the play. They gave up. And LeBron James, by like beginning of the fourth quarter, he was standing around, and eventually Ty Lue just – Motion them and told him to sit down, and that was it. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Like I don't know what else the man got to do. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. No, I'm, I'm not talking. I'm just talking about for this series. I'm not talking about overall as a, as a player. I'm just saying for this series. No, no. What, I, it, what more? It's it, it, it's the lack of effort. In my opinion. I, I get what you're saying. You're saying mm -hmm. that what more can he do? But you give effort. I mean, when you get to the last two minutes of the game and you know it's like you're down by 10, you know, okay, then I can see where everyone just pulls it back. You congratulate 
but the game was not out of reach. It was a six-point game, mid, mid-third quarter, and they gave up, and that was it. They just stopped playing and didn't care. That's a lack of effort, irregardless of he couldn't do anything more. It was still a winnable game, and you just – and they gave up. Yeah, and that's what I was – I mean, they, he literally – even if it was him or – and that's what I was saying before about pulling the troops together – and say, hey, we're not out of this yet. We can still win this, encouraging him to, to at least get something. I mean, let's be honest. He was getting offense from the people that you wouldn't expect it. Ronnie Hood was giving him – I mean, finally y'all gave him minutes. And that's one of the things that I wanted to get on Ty Lue about because I could never understood why you wait that long to put Ronnie Hood in the game when he can create his own shots. And he was definitely producing those last final games for you. Like, that should have been something that, for all tense purposes, whatever he did previous to it, you have to throw that caution to the wind because you're trying to win the NBA Finals. Like, I couldn't understand the fact that how come Rodney Hood wasn't getting the minutes he deserved from the jump as soon as the, the series began. No matter what he done after the – I mean, before then, I mean – you're still talking about making it to the finals. And he gives you just as much as a good chance of scoring. He doesn't need – he could create his own shot. And he was definitely creating his own shot during these past couple of games. And you would have gave LeBron James a breather to the point where you could have utilized Rodney Hood a little bit more. Who knows? But now you won't know because now he's going to be a free agent this summer. And I highly doubt if he's going to stay in Cleveland after all this that went down, even if he did make it to the finals. So he brought that upon himself. He brought he brought the decision to not get played on himself. So 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 Tyler Lewis supposed to sit there and say, uh, "Well, damn, I know he defied me. I know he didn't want to play in garbage time. So so screw this." But so, but here's the thing: if I'm a coach, and if I know for a fact that yes, he he made that decision, yes. I understand that. He should be punished for it? Yes, I can understand that as well. But if I'm the coach and I'm coaching for the NBA championship, and if I know for a fact that without that, all jokes aside with that, he still has the talent to create his own shot and give the Cavs some much-needed offense outside of LeBron James, I would have a sit-down with Rodney Hood, make sure that he understands what's about to happen, and control the narrative. It just seems as though that there was no control and the narrative whatsoever. So the fact that he made a dumb decision, you're going to just say, you know what, I'm not going to play him. And now what that does, it, you, it hurts the offensive chances. You're going to put Cal Corver in. You're going to put Jordan Clarkson in. You're going to keep J.R. Smith in. None of them was providing the offense in the finals. So you're putting that much more pressure on LeBron James. I mean, if I'm a coach, I'm going to like, look, I'm talking to Rodney Hood, and then I'm going to have Rodney Hood come and apologize to the whole team. We get everything back on the same page. And if Rodney Hood gives me the best chance to help along with um, LeBron James, I'm going to utilize him and see what I could do. And it was apparently the fact that, that he did that in game three, and he saw what Rodney Hood can do. When Rodney Hood started scoring over 10 points, he had like over 10 points at that time, that should have been an assessment to say, okay, look, I could utilize Rodney Hood as a complimentary piece somehow to give LeBron James some time off handling the ball. Like, at the end of the day, you're talking about winning a championship. I, you know, you can handle whatever happens after the fact. I would rather say, you know what, I'm going to still put you in the game to try and win this NBA championship and deal with the consequences later, whether he stays or whether he goes. That's just my opinion, though. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. But you know, in, in, in one circumstance, you know, then it's like, well, if I'm the next player on the bench and I don't want to do this, then I can, I can tout, I can do whatever. And then the next person that's playing sucky, you know, Ty Lue's gonna have to have to sit down with me and make me apologize, and then I can play. And this sets a bad precedent. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is is that you, as a coach, would control that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if that happens if in, in the San Antonio, San Antonio organization and Pop benched a player um, just out of the blue, let's say he benched Rudy Gay um, for whatever reason, and yet he turned around and used Rudy Gay two games after the fact. 
he would say, look, I'm not going to play you for these two games because you need to learn your lesson. But after that second game, you know, the third game, game three, then I'll allow you. He could have done that. He could have said, you know what, I'm not going to play you Rodney Hood for these two games because this, this, and this. If he was in constant communication, it wouldn't be a problem. But at the end of the day, you got to say, look, if he gives me the, uh, the chance to win, I may have to use you. And as long as the teams is okay with it, you, I don't think LeBron James is going to say, no, you should keep him on the bench because of what he did. He's like, yo, if he, need, if he can provide me help, yeah, why not use him? Yeah, I think, in my opinion, I think Rodney Hill was just in a team where the system didn't complement his, let me phrase that, a system where it didn't utilize his best assets, which was getting off his own and creating his own shot. He's not a stand-around shooter, and when you're playing with LeBron James, you have to have, if you're going to put people around his talent base, you need people on the wings to, to shoot, where I think that whatever team he goes to next needs to have a good head coach who's going to say, okay, this is what you normally do. We need to get you into a system where you're not doing as much and you don't have to worry about people standing on the wings, a system where you can create your own shots, play off the ball if you want, play on the ball if you want, because right now he's talking about he wants to play off off the ball. How um, How can he do that when he's always had the ball? The only time he's really played somewhat off the ball is when he had Kyrie Irving, and to a certain degree, when he got to Miami, you know, the first two years with Dwayne Wade. But like I said, that team that they put together, everyone was clapping their hands, you know, at the trade deadline. But it was a collection of people that just all of their pieces didn't mold into a good cohesive team, and you just had the abilities of a of a King James to kind of get them over the hump, but. You come to good teams like the Indiana Pacers, who they shouldn't have won, the Boston Celtics, who probably could have won the game if they had a little more experience, and then you come to a great team like the Golden State Warriors. That that squad of LeBron James and all of his ancillary parts was going to fit, you know, a team that plays team ball. And that's why going whatever LeBron chooses, whatever team he goes to in free agency, they got to match that narrative. And you kind of see that now going forward with LeBron James because, let's be honest, when he first originally brought in, when they made that quick trade to bring in Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, it never fit their mold because they were so used to team-oriented ball. So they was doing so many different things from a Boston Celtics standpoint. Coming to Cleveland where it's just basically you standing in the in, you know in the corners or something and waiting for LeBron to pass you the ball for you to shoot is definitely didn't fit their style or mold. So when they got traded again, Isaiah Thomas to L.A., you know, he did a little bit better than where he was in Cleveland. And Jay Crowder did a great job when he was went to Utah. So he said that, you know, is now I'm back with the team-oriented type of uh, a team. And that's how it is when you're dealing with a system, like especially confined for LeBron James because he is in such control of – the, the what, what the ball, where the ball goes, who to give it to. Um, he's basically, it's like a pass ISO person where he has control of the ball and he'll pass it to whoever he tries to get, you know, he try to find the open man. So it's a different system and it doesn't fit a person like some of the people that's on that team. Jordan Carson is not a standalone shooter, so he was definitely not going to score on the outside. And if J.R. Smith is not hitting his buckets, he ain't going to do it. He's not much effective either. So wherever LeBron goes, they're going to have to configure that whole team around him for it to be successful. And I just don't see that happening on the fly. They're going to have to make a lot of moves going forward. So whoever, wherever he chooses to decide, and to be honest, the talk about him going to L.A. with Paul George, I, I just don't – I can't see that actually working with the team that's constructed in L.A. So I think once he chooses and makes the decision, that's where all the, the, the chaotic that is the free agency takes place. <laughs> and speaking about the L.A. boy, um, you know, with – the finals over and LeBron James losing. People have been having their comments about his legacy, where he ranks and everything. And of course, um, Kobe Bryant made some comments about LeBron James. So I will 
paraphrase basically he said Brian said that Michael gave him some really good advice after the OE finals. You got all the tools, you gotta figure out how you want these um how to get these guys to that next level to win a championship going into the 2010 series. I said, listen, Austin, they got Ray Allen, they got Paul Pierce, they got Garnett, they got Sheet. Talent's there, they're stacked. That was the first super team. Uh, Michael kind of heard me laminate about it. He just goes, yeah, well, it is what it is. You got to figure it out. There's no alternative. And that's the challenge LeBron has. You have pieces that you have to try to figure out how, how to work. Excuses, um, excuses don't work right now. So I know there's been a lot of chatter and back and forth and Twitterverse and everything. So I'm, I'm curious, guys, what you think. Do you think that LeBron was being objective? Well, these, did, did you see anything wrong with the comments that Brian made, or do you think he was just player hating on, on LeBron James? Um, I think I think Kobe was trying to be objective, but sounding hypocritical hypocrit- hypocrit- at the same time. Um, and I say that because when Kobe was a player, Kobe was the reason why the Lakers didn't have a, a longer dynasty than they had because he pretty much got Shaq out. You know, um, Kobe is a great scorer. Kobe is uh, an assassin of a basketball player. Uh, he's he's the one guy that you know if you put the ball in his hands and ten seconds left now one, you stand a pretty good shit, pretty good chance to, to win games, but. He pretty much wasn't the best teammate in the world. He, he was quite arrogant. Uh, was willing to throw everybody underneath the bus for himself. Um, so for him to come out and say the things that he said, even though he said that Mike might have said this or Phil Jackson might have said this or whomever would have said it, that still wasn't the type of player Kobe was. Now, probably reflecting on it, he probably, you know, now he's had time to be away from the game. It's probably like, you know, yeah. I, I can relate to what they were telling me now, but that's not the, that's not the Kobe that when he got that information already, he didn't take that information and change his game. You know what I'm saying? He was still Kobe. Kobe, even on his last game, I mean, granted, they were just giving the ball, scored whatever, 60 or 30 points, but he took like 45 shots. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, and that's Kobe. I mean, nobody's hating. I mean, he went out, he went out, the way we remember Kobe going out, you know, the way he played back when his, when he was um, in his prime. So, I mean, I, that's just my opinion. I, I don't think he was hating, but he was just being a hypocrite. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he was hating. Um, I think that he was being objective. And I agree with you, um, Ace. Like, previously, I would have probably, you know, it, it, he would it would have been very hypocritical. But I think now, being that he's retired, I think he's learned his lesson. And I think that he is just basically just saying, you know, if I'd have known what I – then what I know now, um, things would have probably went completely different. So I don't think that – I don't think he was really hating on LeBron. I think he understands what LeBron is going through. Because um, nine times out of ten, he might have been through it himself. But he's just taking those lessons that he learned now and saying, okay, now I understand and I'm – applying it to, to, to say that this is what LeBron needs to do. And he is right, though. LeBron does need to figure it out. In order for him to take it to that level he wants to be in, he's definitely going to have to figure it out. And this is the comment that we was talking about before about getting his team involved, like encouraging his teammates so that they could take their level to take their play to the next level, whoever team he signs with. He needs to be encouraging. And I think that he'll learn that going forward. And I think that that will change. But as far as Kobe's comment is concerned, I think that that was just more objective and based off of what he's learned now instead of what he learned then. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, I, I think he was, I think he was attempting to be objective. Um, but yeah, right. The, the, the messenger, <laughs> he did none of that stuff. But I think, you know, being away from the game, I guess seeing what LeBron was going through, I guess now you have, I guess, hindsight of 2020, you want to impart the wisdom, hey, I I know what you're going through. I did the same things. If you want to, if you want your legacy to be the narrative that you want it to be, then this is what you, I would suggest you need to do. 
and I didn't see anything wrong with it. He was actually spot on with everything that he said. I think a lot of people are overanalyzing and jumping the gun. The people who are, you know, um, you know, LeBron James, you know, lovers, AKA Nick Wright from, <laughs> from um, Fox news one, who just believes he was being completely player hitting. I don't think he was. I mean, he said a lot of things about <laughs> LeBron James and, that would definitely have been a hater, but I don't. I didn't take anything sideways about it. Yeah, the messenger is funny, but but you know, he, he said you know he said some good points. If you ever watched his um or listened to his um his clips that he did during the playoffs, the ESPN details. There's one point in time where he was actually breaking down the games. He's actually pretty good at doing it, and he broke down the way that both KD and LeBron James can create their own shots. And he said that don't let the double teams come to you. He was like, get the ball, take two dribbles, pull up and shoot. And he said, it's easy money. And he showed the opportunities where KD can do it and LeBron did it. I don't know if KD was watching it because damn sure the next game, KD did exactly what <laughs> LeBron James did. And that's when he lit him up for like 40 in that game three. And LeBron James didn't do much of that. So before you start shooting the messenger, I think kind of look and see where I think he's being, he's a student of the game, just breaking it down and saying, Hey, you know, you have to utilize your teammates a little better than how you're using it now in order to get to where you're going to get. Because if you're using them the way you are right now, like I did, you're not going to maximize your full potential, but I didn't see anything terribly wrong with it. It was funny coming from him because there wasn't a shot he never turned away, but, <laughs> but I mean, come on. I mean, after you've been away from the game, you can look back and be like, damn, you know, hey, you know, here's what I was going through. Try not to make the same, you know, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. Cause I, <laughs> cause I've been there and done that. So try doing it this way. So, but agreed, agreed. Let's switch it on to something else. Hockey, the um, Washington Capitals got their first, um, the first Stanley Cup win. Ace, I know it must have been crazy down there in the um in the DC area. I mean, I saw like the crowds of fans outside the stadium once they won. You know, Ovechkin got his title. He was walking through the casino with the cup. <laughs> I wonder if he's actually drinking alcohol out that cup. That's a good question. Though. They were doing handstands, headstands, drinking out of the cup. Like they were holding each other upside down. While drinking out of the cup, Ovechkin, Ovechkin was in Georgetown swimming in a fountain with the cup. He was in George where? He was in Georgetown, a portion of DC, where they had an outdoor fountain. You know, like a fountain, beautiful fountain. He was in the fountain swimming with the cup. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they said that they said that he was drunk for seventy-two to ninety-six hours straight. Like they, Ovechkin, really at this point can do no wrong. Even during the celebration, um, typically when you're talking on TV, you know when they the TV tries to censor when you're about to test, they let them have free reign to speak any which way they like. They were cussing on live TV. I heard yeah. I heard a lot of stories about when the players NHL players win the cup, they be doing some crazy things with the cup. Um regularly. But I do hear that, you know, once they win, each player gets to hang out with the cup for like a week. Like it goes from house to house. And they get to hold on to it for like a week or two or something like that. So they sanitize it every week then. I guess you could do it that way. You could be like the Warriors. I heard they spent like uh, a record 5,000K on alcohol alone in the buses for their parade. So, yeah. There's only about what, 15 players? That's a lot of liquor. <laughs> I heard one of the cats, was, one of the rookies ran out of Hennessy. <laughs> ran out into the ran out into the uh to the audience where, where the people were standing and somebody had some energy he was just drinking it straight up like turned it up like this. That was the rookie. Nice, long, long swing of that joint. That was the rookie joint, Bell. 
Wait a second, you sure that was a swaggy fee? Nah, it was, it was no, it was Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell, he he had that whole cup, he had that whole bottle hanging up during that whole time. He was in he literally saw the fan hold up another bottle of Henny, got off the bus, came out in the stands, came to the crowd to grab that cup and took it to the head. Wow. I was like, wow, yo, that that showed me a different side of Jordan Bell, because I wouldn't expect that. He 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 was lit. Like literally, he was lit. Well, hey, I guess you know to the victors go to spoils. Yeah, I, I can't be mad at that though. When you enjoy yourself after winning rookie year, you you have to enjoy yourself. But getting back to um the Capitals, I I, I, as much as I wanted to see OV win, I have to admit, I'm ha- kind of happy he did. Um, I also wanted to see Las Vegas win because I knew that would have been crazy as well. But, <laughs> oh, no? <laughs> well, well, you know, I'm not a huge hockey fan, but uh, one of my buddies, he's a hockey fan. So I pay attention enough to hockey where if he and I are texting, I can at least engage in conversation with him to understand what he's talking about and I can give him some of Um, But from listening to sports radio and stuff, they're saying that the, the draft that allowed Las Vegas to get the players that they did, they said that they got to do something about tweaking that because there's no way an expansion team should be able to get that many above average players to put on a run to end up going to the Stanley Cup Finals. How did that? That sounds so bad. I mean, yeah, you know, that's not like an excuse, yo. That that. They, but they say, but they were saying that you know every team had to leave one person unprotected, or or no, I'm sorry, they had to. Every team, you know, don't quote me. It's either they had to leave one player unprotected, or they had to protect certain players on their roster. So that the expansion team can't pick those particular. Uh, but that sounds. Like, but that sounds like how the NFL did when their expansion teams. There, they there was always people that they had to leave unrestricted. That the expansion mm-hmm. team or teams can just, you know, go after and then they would get like a high draft pick. I don't think they would get number one, but they would definitely get, you know, within the mm-hmm. top five. Yeah, but even if, even if that's the case. You, I mean, that's something that you can't get really upset with. That's not an excuse, you know. So what? That loves, you know. That's the rules. Las Vegas got a team. They picked the players that they picked, and you know, the coach did what they did. The players did what they were supposed to do, and they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. You can't blame them for picking the people that they picked. You can't blame them for picking the players or the team. The team still had to gel in that whole season. The coach still had to coach that whole season. Just because they pick these players, they still have to go through practice for that whole season to get to where they're in. That's discounting the fact that Las Vegas did what they were supposed to do to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. You can't give you. I, I agree with you. I agree with you, but there were some people that were really – I'm not saying people within NHL were pissed off. I was talking about the, 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 fan, the diehard fans were pissed off about how <laughs> – how Las Vegas could sit there like their goalie was one of the better goalies in the league, but somehow that goalie was left unprotected and they were able to pick him up. Like, how is that even possible? That's the other the better team. But that's the <laughs> team that, that had him. No, 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 no. That's, nah, that's not Las Vegas' fault. That's the team that had him. The team that had him that should have left, the, that should have protected him. That was their mistake. You can't blame Las Vegas for that. The NHL fans, man, they, I'm getting ahead of myself. NHL fans need to just relax, okay? Las Vegas did what they were supposed to do. There's no reason why they should be blaming Las Vegas for doing the teams. If you want to blame somebody, blame the teams that let go or left those te- those players unprotected. Like, it, it, you can't discount it. You can't discount what Las Vegas did. The Golden Knights did what they were supposed to do. And to be honest, that should be commendable because they still was the first expansion team to make it to the Stanley Cup finals in a long time mm-hmm. yeah well i mean they you know las vegas played within the confines of the um of the nhl rules that they set forth in place so 
don't hate the player. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Let me ask you a side note, a side question. Um, would you would you guys be interested? Man, this is a long shot of a question, but it's, I'm just curious. Not being a true fan of hockey, but loving watching football, what would be the odds of saying going to Vegas to go see Oakwell, well, be the Las Vegas Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders? And the Las Vegas Golden Knights in one trip to say you're in Vegas and being able to catch a hockey game, say on a Friday, Thursday or Friday night, and then turn around and catch the Raiders play on Sunday. What are the odds of that being something that would interest either one of you just because it's Vegas and the opportunity to Shoot, sounds like an interesting thing. One, you know, that'd be a one time deal. Yeah, just to say, I've only been to one hockey game in my entire life. I, I'm um, not gonna. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll just say it'd be interesting, just because one is Vegas, two, and I think they got a WNBA team there, don't they? I believe so. I think. Yeah, so it's like it's Vegas now being Vegas being Vegas, but Vegas now becoming a sports town makes Vegas a very interesting destination on two different fronts, along with the nightlife and everything else that moves along with it. So I just thought it was an uh, interesting nah. question. Kind of I'm, I'm going to be honest. If there is a hockey game, I would definitely go see Las Vegas um, play because I hear that their intros is crazy, like one of the best intros in the NHL. I hear that they have, like, medieval – time themes going on at, in Las Vegas with their introduction. So I would love to see that. Um, and I would love to see the hockey. I, I, you know, I may not be a fan of it, but I would definitely love to see the hockey. Well, I know I watched them. Um, some of the, um, you know, I just happened to be on the TV when the, um, the Stanley Cup finals, the pregame shows for in Las Vegas and they had little John and some other people there for one game. And they had somebody else out there in front of the, I think in, in, I think one of the casinos might be the MGM, you know, having a performance out there, you know, it was piping into the stadium before the game. So, when you're in Las Vegas. <laughs> so, real quick before we uh, before we bounce out there, of course, you know, we have the um, mandatory mini camps going on. There's always some, excuse me, not mandatory mini camps, just, you know, voluntary mini camps going on. You know, some people say that it's usually more, you know, should be mandatory and voluntary, but some people are staying away because they're under contract negotiations, AKA Julio Jones in Atlanta. So um, and some people have been impressive. I hear there's been some impressive um, looks down and on um, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. He appears to be um, wowing some of the coaches out there a little bit. So um, going into the, as we're approaching the soon off season, really the, um, Camps for all NFL. Any kind, anything you guys are looking forward to um, in the next couple of weeks for football? Uh, personally, I'm just looking for the preseason to start. I'm looking for that to just to jump off, so I can get a few view, a full view of the games and the players that's out there. I'm still tripping over the fact that why Baltimore signed RG three. You know, I'm forced to listen to the Baltimore Sports Radio due to my location of living. And I swear to God, you would not know that RG3 is even on the squad because it's Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson. Like, RG3 is like, okay. Like, I don't even, like, he doesn't even exist even though he's on, he's on the roster. But I just think that's, that's interesting. I... Uh, I'm, f- I'm forced to listen to Philadelphia talk radio <laughs> around that. So, but I'm lo- but I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how you know Saquon Barkley is going to merge into the offense. If it's going to give any new pop, any life, in the Eli going forward, um, Odell, they're going to get that contract worked out. I mean, um, I my guess is they'll probably have something work worked out during training camp before the season starts. I don't think they want this soap opera to roll into the offseason. I think the Mars are going to sit down and have a frank discussion with him, and he'll get his contract, he'll get his money, because if it goes into the, the regular season, 
it's going to be a hot stinking mess. And I don't, I don't think they want it. I don't think Odell want it. He wants his money. The Giants want to give him his money. They just need certain assurances. But I think they'll, I think they'll have everything t- tidied up by the time the season starts. I think he's going to trade it, but you know. Say it again. I think he's going to trade it. Jeez. <laughs> that's gonna be another. That's gonna be a, a, another full blown conversation that we can talk about with that. And then, hey, he, he'll he'll demand the Giants want a king ransom for that. And they always asking for two number ones, and they couldn't get that during the draft. So if they couldn't trade them then. I don't think they're gonna get any. They're not gonna do it now. I think it will be. I think I. I'm not a betting man. <laughs> but, I, but I will bet a nice shiny little nickel to say that he's he's gonna get you. You know, I'll match a shiny nickel <laughs> and say that he will be in a in, in a in a uh, Giants uniform day one with a with a new contract for for yeah. open for opening game. But, so the bet is the bet is uh, an old an old dime. And uh, <laughs> whoever wins gets that die. <laughs> oh I can, man! I can part ways with a die. So can I? So can I? All right, guys. So we're right at, right at that time. So um, I thank you everyone for coming, listening, out and subscribing to the podcast. Um, so as always, guys, let nobody can reach you at. You can find me on Twitter. Adrian Cat 1963, Adrian Cat 1963 on Twitter. That is absolutely cor- that is absolutely wrong. Hey, I'll be forgetting. Uh, Cat Daddy 63. <laughs> Cat Daddy 63. C A C A. Yeah, you know how to spell it because I can't spell it. That is also. Cat Daddy 19. Oh, it's Cat Daddy 1963. There we go. Wait a second. You sure you're not drinking a whole bottle of Hennessy yourself over there? No, you know what it is. It's his burner accounts. That's what that is. Oh. Burner That's all his burner accounts right there. We did that's not get into that. And I want to get into that next podcast. Okay. You know, that's what I've been talking to about you guys on this account. You know what I mean? Talk about you bad hosts and all that stuff. Putting out wrong uh, wrong links to, to the podcast and crap. But, you know, that's where the Cat Daddy 1960. Cat Daddy 1960. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. Shout out to Dwayne Casey for being the next coach for the Detroit Pistons. Great job for Detroit for hiring him. Toronto, you done messed up. Yeah, leave, fire him just to bring up the um the assistant coach. Makes big sense. Anyway, <laughs> you can find me at Snapchat and the Grammar J E Ross number seven at. And I don't know what that was, but we'll take that. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm Glitch Report. <laughs> oh, oh, Bonehead Play. Yep. And on that note, thanks for coming out. God bless and have a good night. <laughs> God bless everybody. Welcome, Mapu. Welcome, hey, Come here, real quick. Come here. Say what's up, since you want to be all in the mix. Hey. Yo. Hey. <laughs> Roll out. <laughs>